0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: As you know, there are governments all over Australia that are passing the most liberal abortion laws. And each time one state passes new laws, they seem to become worse than the last. If you were to follow that progression through, you could think about what happened in Victoria, and they became renowned as being the worst abortion laws in the whole world. And then Queensland surpassed that, and if you take into consideration what they're calling for As a Greens bill in South Australia, uh, you'd be shocked because it's really uh, open slather uh, in what they'd be proposing for South Australia. So it's politicians who pass abortion laws, but often it's the medical staff, the doctors, the midwives who are expected to do the dirty work. Pro-life organisation Emily's Voice was recently contacted by a midwife who works in a Queensland hospital. Now, her name, which has been changed, and uh, they're referring to her as Sue, has been grappling with the changes in her own job after abortion laws in the state changed late last year. In her state, in Queensland, women can access abortion, no questions asked, no questions asked, up to 22 weeks, and to full term, with the sign off of two doctors. So, what will that mean for doctors and midwives? Their job description was once all about the preservation of life, and suddenly, it's also all about taking of life. Well, Jeanette Harris is Marketing Manager for Emily's Voice, and Jeanette is joining us for our conversation this coming hour. I'll invite you to join in our conversation shortly when we open our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316. There is a post on our Facebook page where you can leave a comment. Uh, you could have a uh, question too, you might have, uh, uh, 1-800-316-316, or go to our Facebook page, make a comment, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Jeanette Harris, a special welcome back to 2020.
2: Morning, thanks for having me again, Neil.
1: Jeanette, before we get into Sue's story, uh, give us a little insight once again. Uh, There's lots of uh, pro-life organisations that are in all the different states and territories around Australia. Uh, Some people might not be so familiar with Emily's Voice. Give us a little insight into Emily's Voice as we get our conversation underway.
2: Yeah, sure. Okay, well, we are an organisation that really exists to help Australians fall in love with the unborn. And to support women with an unplanned or, or a crisis pregnancy, and the way that we do that is uh, we we raise funds regionally, and then we go into that region and we produce beautiful, hope-filled media campaigns to inspire people. So to really uh, start a conversation and to to open up the whole topic area where it's really been dominated by. Um, we don't like using the word, but the the whole pro-choice, you know, side of the conversation, which which is very active. So we really want to have, um, you know, a a beautiful positive voice about what what pregnancy is and to really help and inspire mums and dads in in that space, in the the public forum. And we find that when we go into uh, an area, because we track our results before we go in and then when we come out again, that when we go in with a campaign, that we the attitudes change towards helping helping people and towards um, you know the the idea of abortion.
1: Well, when we talk about contrasting sides in a conversation like this, and. Uh, people will be able to pick up in your own uh, way of communicating when you say you don't even like to use the terminology pro-choice but of course when we talk pro-choice we're talking pro-abortion and and some who are a little less gracious than yourself uh, will say pro-death and this sort of pro-death idea that's really uh, mounting its own campaigns through various organisations around Australia but Emily's voice a little bit sensitive in this area and While listeners will appreciate there are all sorts of different ways that people approach the uh, pro-life issue, the challenge that abortion and euthanasia brings, Uh, I always do appreciate Emily's voice and this gentleness. I love this terminology when you say, you're all about having people fall in love with the unborn baby. And uh, it is a beautiful thing to think of, Jeanette, Uh, when we talk about falling in love with the unborn baby, it really takes it beyond this idea of a political challenge and puts us right there in the realm of protecting something that is beautiful, protecting something that is absolutely a reflection of God, its life itself – uh, this idea of falling in love with with babies, uh, you you've seen this successfully work. What happens when people are exposed to the sorts of campaigns that you guys run?
2: Well, uh, and as you say, Neil, it it, it has become a very uh, political hot potato, um, and there are organisations that do obviously seek to do that, and there's a role and there's a place for those, and you know we cheer them on, but in our in in our space, we we're talking to everyday people. Um, because if we leave it to the whole political side of things, um, we're not act- we're going to miss those opportunities to uh, to inspire that woman who who really is in a, a crisis moment. A, you know, a, a, um, a time in her life when, uh, for whatever reason, it's very traumatic, and we find that, or actually, we know from research that that seventy percent of women who find themselves in this situation actually wouldn't go ahead with an abortion if just one person encouraged them. If one person said, congratulations, or uh, that's wonderful, or I'm here for you, we we know that they actually wouldn't go ahead with it. And when you're talking between 70,000 and 100,000 abortions in Australia alone every year, that's an awful lot of mums, it's an awful lot of dads, then you, you know, you put into the whole sphere, you know, the, the grandparents and the family around, it really affects an, an awful lot of people. So we know that, you know, positive words elicit a positive reaction and just encourage women to, to take that positive step forward.
1: Amazing when you communicate it like that If one person were to speak up with a word of encouragement With a word of congratulations That would turn the tables That would save a life And that one person is you and I Jeanette And uh, that listener who's tuned in uh, in different communities all around Australia, there's a challenge there that we might be able to pick up on as to what our responsibility is uh, to be able to speak up and, and in the most beautiful way just to encourage someone who we know has fallen pregnant. Let's come to Sue's story because Sue is a midwife and she's working in her job in Queensland. And the interesting thing is here that Sue has been fearful of speaking up for herself because she's fearful that she might even lose her job if she spoke out against some of the things that are happening in her hospital situation. Give us some insights into Sue.
2: Um Yeah, <laughs> Her, her story is actually, I mean, it, it, it's very sad and it's very traumatic. She's a very passionate midwife. She w- went into her profession over 20 years ago um, just knowing that that's where she wanted to be, knowing that that's the environment she wanted to be in. She wanted to bring life into the world. She wanted to walk alongside mums. And of course, uh, up until this moment, she has seen uh you know every, every side of a pregnancy she's uh you know she's sat next to uh, mums at the with the resuscitation cribs she's held hands she's you know uh you know sat alongside people when when they've cried because they haven't known what's going to happen with their baby and she's she's worked tire, tirelessly to help these babies be born into the world alive and alive and healthy And um, what has happened for her recently? She'd actually been texting with us before the law was passed last year, because um, things were coming into the hospital. There was communication coming into the hospital um, that they were going to have to. uh, You know, it was almost like the bill had already passed, and they were being told, (coughs) excuse me, that uh, that they that they were going to have to do certain things. And she was texting with us you know wh- wh- what does this mean is this real is it going to go through so she was already in a in quite a confused traumatic mindset and then she's actually had this situation uh, a couple of weekends ago where she was uh, on on her shift and somebody came in um, who wanted who wanted an abortion and and the baby was at 17 weeks gestation and there were uh, the majority of midwives uh, you know, wanted, wanted nothing to do with it um, because that wasn't why they'd come into the profession. But I think they found somebody who enabled the woman to go through with the termination. And she literally is just traumatised about this because she doesn't feel any support about, um, you know, her situation and many of her colleagues as well. She's definitely not the only one, um, and they're having to listen to what is coming through from the government into management with, with really no support network.
1: Wow. So you've got someone here who has battled beside resuscitation cots, who's worked with neonatal teams to save premature babies, who's raced women to theatres in a desperate move to try and deliver their babies surgically so because their tiny heartbeat is failing. Everything that the midwife does is there to deliver a live and hopefully healthy baby. And so when you're faced with a situation where you may be then required to participate in an abortion, it goes against everything in... Uh, it goes against the grain of everything that it is in the in the person's uh, heart, in their mind, in their motivation for even being a midwife. And I imagine that Sue's story wouldn't be, uh, you know, just isolated to Sue alone. This would be the sort of thing that would probably be, you know, marking the lives and the career motivations for a lot of people who work in midwifery.
2: And that's definitely true. So uh, we posted this story at the end of last week and it's gone nuts um from our website and a couple of other um uh, media organizations have picked it up as well and people are just sharing it and sharing it and sharing it and of course because it's about midwives you've got midwives commenting so we've had we, we've had people um saying i'm so glad i'm out of the uh, industry now i i could never have done this we've got other midwives who are simple sympathising with Sue's situation. We've got people trying to give advice, saying, well, you know, surely you could sue or you could, um, you know, give your conscientious objection. You don't have to do this. You know, what are the trade unions saying? So, you, you know, you've got people coming alongside who are, who are completely horrified and, and shocked and really willing to stand alongside uh, midwives in, in support, which is awesome to see.
1: Jeanette, some people might say we're having a conversation about this prematurely, but fair enough to say that this looks like it's on the horizon and a different direction politically could change the whole game here. Uh, what are your thoughts for changes that potentially are coming to Australian hospitals, uh, depending even on uh, changes of government in the near future with a federal election coming? Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for the possibilities there?
2: Well, this is already happening now. So, uh, I mean...
1: OK, so this is not a to... premature conversation. This is happening now, <laughs> but it may be potentially about to escalate.
2: Uh, absolutely. And and even when abortion was still in the criminal code, it was still happening. Um, and now it's happening in hospitals and the federal election hasn't even hasn't even happened yet. So, you know, if um, if we have a, if we have a change of government, which is where the Queensland bill came from, from from the Labour side. And we, we desperately try not to get into the political area, but sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, then it really is open slather and, and the public hospitals will be forced to provide abortion on demand, no questions asked, up until birth uh, with a uh, national referral service and they're, and they're also saying that they will bring down the cost of the abortion pill, which is called RU486. So it's really uh, opening up complete and total access to abortion for any reason but on the opposite side of the coin we're not seeing the actual support for pregnant women so where where is the you know the, the support for the woman who's got the unplanned pregnancy for the pregnancy support centers Um, for, um, you know, more support into adoption services, into the foster care system. We're, we're, we're seeing it all on the abortion side, but not at all on the encouraging mums to be mums side. So that it, it, that's really frustrating. So part of our, um, our mandate in encouraging everyday people to, um, you know, to stand up and, and, and have a voice in this subject is you can be a walking, talking pregnancy support centre so we can't, um, we can't rely on the politicians, we can't you know, rely even necessarily on, on doctors and midwives to be able to have a conscientious objection um, for, forever we have to be that walking, talking pregnancy support centre
0: Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
1: We're talking about the wider reaching implications of abortion law reform on health professionals in Australia. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation 1-800-316-316. Jeanette Harris is our guest. Jeanette is with Emily's Voice, a pro-life organisation. Uh, let's talk, Jeanette, just for a few moments about the expectations that we have of the medical profession because, in some sense, those that are working for public hospitals, they're like public servants. Uh, what are your thoughts for what ordinary people ought to have as expectations of medical professionals to, uh, to save lives, not take them?
2: And I and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So that is exactly what we are expecting of the medical uh, professions, and and we want them to to stand up for life. We want them to stand, you know, to 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 stand up for the for the unborn life. And we we know that, for example, a GP is one of the first uh, two or three people that a pregnant woman will see, and often abortion is actually offered at that point. Um, uh, as opposed to them being sent to uh, a pregnancy support center. So we really want to uh, encourage everyday ordinary people to, to stand up for life and to be saying to, to doctors and to midwives, you signed up to the Hippocratic Oath. That, you know that's that's life if if you don't stand up for life then who on earth is going to so so that's where we want to put a bit of you know put some of that put, put some of that pressure back on the medical medical profession that it's not you know it's not about money it's not about profit it is about life it's about saving lives
1: interestingly and i'm just uh, trying to work out where i heard this but it's just a thought that's come to mind just in this past week of hearing of more money being promised and I can't recall whether it was to do with the New South Wales state election or whether it was to do with something federally, uh, but the idea of promising more money for more midwives as though there is a lack of midwives And I wondered whether that might even be in anticipation that as laws are changing and midwives exercise their own conscience and say we can't do this any longer, that there may well be a recruitment drive on for some people who will actually do the midwife job and take lives, uh, not save them. Uh, What are your thoughts? Have you heard that sort of thing? I'm I'm just uh, trying to reflect where I heard that. Uh, I can't put my finger on exactly where I heard it, but uh, sometime in the last week I've heard about more money for midwives free
2: yeah okay um i i haven't heard of that but that that could well be and it, it it sounds like it could well be a strategy and you know as you have pro-choice and uh pro-life oriented people you're going to get them in this in this space as well so i think it's you know it's really up to us to to be supporting the midwives, to be supporting the doctors, and to be encouraging them um, that it that it's okay, it's okay to say no, and that we're all behind them. We're a bigger majority than the politicians themselves, and we need to be um, act, active with our vote with our vote in the next elections as well. I mean, we've just seen the change in New South Wales. Um, and uh, you know we we have uh, still got the the Liberal Party uh, in who are still talking pro life, so that's a really you know that's a that's a really good result. And and as, as much as Emily's voice doesn't go down the political route, as I said earlier, we do have to encourage. Ordinary, everyday Australians, where they can use, where they can use their voice. So it's in your personal sphere of influence, It's it's in, it's in your church. It's, uh, it's schools amongst mums. It's, you know, in your family. It's at your work. It's, you know, it's two doctors and nurses and midwives and teachers. And if we all band together and we're all outspoken and positive, then we're going to have an impact. It's going to happen.
1: And interesting to reflect on the New South Wales Liberal and National Coalition and likely to have majority uh, in New South Wales, that they're not talking the same sort of dreadful abortion agenda that the Labor governments in Victoria and in Queensland have taken. And uh, of course, there's that uh, bill that is a proposal for South Australia, and that's a little bit of a different issue. But uh, but as you say, in New South Wales, well, perhaps they've dodged a bullet uh, by, having a continuation of the Liberal and National Coalition there because they're not talking about these sorts of severe laws. Let me ask, uh, or let me just get your, uh, your thoughts here because we've had quite a significant response on our Facebook page, where there is a question that people have been asked to respond to. And the question simply says, should doctors and midwives be forced to conduct abortions? And there's been lots of responses that people have been saying. Let me just reflect a few of those, Jeanette, uh, from Cynthia, who says, certainly not... From Wilma and AJ, no. From Michael, absolutely not. And from David, definitely not. So there's uh, there's people who are saying, no, no, no. Doctors and midwives should not be forced to conduct abortions. Uh, Vicky says doctors and nurses should be given the choice. Uh, no, uh, not lose their jobs because they can't kill an unborn child. You've got Sarah who says, they should not be forced. That's taking away their free will. Sue says there should always be a conscientious objection. Uh, there's some more to come, but let's uh, let's pick up on Sue's idea. There should always be a conscientious objection, and as I understand it, there is that conscientious objection now. But Sue. Uh, The midwife that we've been talking about who's been concerned about this is concerned that that conscientious objection won't be around for long. Uh, What are your thoughts for that idea?
2: And that's absolutely right. So um, it seems to be that you can have that voice at the moment, but it's not being well received. So there's a lot of fear um you know among, amongst the amongst the mid, midwife community that even if you can do it on paper and you can hand it into management that that could have repercussions on your on your job and, and your progression within, within your profession. And everybody's saying, well, for how long? And so we've uh, asked her to find out, well, what, you know, what are the unions saying? She's not actually part of a union. Um, but, but the general feeling is that the union is supporting the legislation that's coming through from the government, which is coming through to the management. So it really means that at the end of the day, they're, they're on their own, they're not being supported and if you're going to be a loner standing up and saying I'm not going to do this, then you'll act- your career will actually be impeded as you go along and who who wants to do that?
1: Mm. Let's take a call and we're taking calls one eight hundred 316 Let's hear from Gary in Sydney with a question. Hello Gary welcome along. Hello, yes.
3: Um, I was just to add a question about... Um uh, regarding late term abortion one was
2: uh, how um,
3: far spread across Australia is it in different states and what is the, um, the, the late term uh, cut off what people are trying to push for uh,
1: Gary good question and Jeanette uh, what are your thoughts for Gary on that one
2: well it definitely depends which state you're in um, and if you're in uh, New South Wales at the moment, I'm just trying to recall. It's it's still an, it's still a, a criminal offence uh, in in New South Wales. But um, for example, I'm I'm here up in Queensland, and it's legal up until uh, 22 weeks, but. Uh, after 22 weeks, if you've got the approval of two doctors, which you will eventually get because a doctor has to refer, even if they have a conscientious objection, it's, uh, it's up to terms. So up until the point of birth, you can still uh, decide to have an abortion. And so where, where it has been pushed through in one state, it's being pushed through in all states now. So it's, it's one, you know, once you, once you push that line, then it just keeps getting pushed and pushed and and until it's completely open slather everywhere you go. And and now Australia is one of the worst countries in the world.
1: Okay. Well, Gary, does that answer your question?
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's
4: that's a bit crazy. Because uh, someone said the other day,
3: my wife was thinking something like about, I maybe mean, three weeks or something like that. Um, Is
1: that right in some places? Well, I think as uh, Jeanette's been reflecting, it uh, varies from state to state. And uh, as you can hear her reflecting too in Queensland, uh, which appears to have gone one step worse than Victoria, and I think those sorts of laws are already enforced in uh, Tasmania and in the ACT as well, uh, they're very significant. And where you've got states like New South Wales, and as I understand it, also still in South Australia, and you might be able to correct me there, Jeanette, uh, but there is still a, uh, a criminalized uh, approach to abortion and I'm not sure about Western Australia Jeanette do you have any insight into Western Australia uh, yes yeah. let me
2: just yes it's uh, it's legal but it's it's accessible up until 20 weeks it's very restricted after 20 after 20 weeks in Western Australia just to go back to South Australia is legal up to 20 28 weeks if two doctors agree that a woman's physical and or mental health are endangered by the pregnancy, or there's a serious fetal abnormality and the abortion must take place in a, in a hospital in, in that case. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much to Gary from Sydney. Let's take another call. Only about 90 seconds out from news. Darren in Underwood in Queensland. Hi Darren. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts?
3: Um, i want to say quickly uh that um that Sue's not alone uh the unions do support um abortion but uh and a lot of other things but um uh, uh the, in queensland if we're talking queensland they have the nurses association which is uh separate from any political party and she can join with them and um she'll get plenty of support but um as christians we should um like moses we should all lift our hands and um Give glory to God and um, and pray for those who are in these industries. And and um, and they, when their arms get tied, as Moses did, we should be standing with them, um, not condemning them for being in these jobs because it's not not their fault that these laws are coming in. But uh, we need to stand together and um, support these people that are working um, doing midwifery and um, you know and other doctors when they're trying to bring in euthanasia. We need to uh, stand up and make a noise. If a million people can go into London and protest about Brexit, I'm sure we can do the same in Australia and let the politicians know... That
1: God is not to be messed with. Darren, good thoughts. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll save any comments for after the news. Jeanette Harris is our guest. We're talking about the wider-reaching implications of abortion law reform on health professionals in Australia. A question and a comment here about in Sweden where abortion has been acceptable for a long time and midwives are expected to perform abortions. Uh, there's a reflection here, and it comes back to this idea of a slippery slope. And uh, this comment says, when same-sex marriage was passed, clergy were promised they wouldn't be forced to perform weddings for same-sex couples. However, their prime minister, Stefan Loffen, said, uh, he's a social democrat, uh, he compared priests who refused to wed same-sex couples with midwives refusing to carry out abortions. Now, it's interesting to reflect on all of this. Uh, The quote goes, If you are a midwife, you either have to carry out abortions or you have to find another profession. The same goes for priests who do not want to wed homosexuals. Uh, What, When morals decline in one area, they fall everywhere. I wonder whether you're familiar with what's been going on overseas, and that's a reflection on Sweden, but what are your thoughts for uh, things like this going on around the world?
2: yes it is it's very worrying and concerning isn't it and that that's that's the problem with pushing the boundaries um yes do do know about sweden and the minute that you set the bar at a certain level and 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 you you push it it it, it opens the floodgates for everything else and it really is a slippery slope so um you know The minute you make abortion legal, it opens the gates a bit further. You you make it you make it legal up until a certain stage, it opens it a bit further. It makes it more socially acceptable. You say, well, you know, for example, in Queensland, it's up until 22 weeks, and then with two doctors, now up until birth, it makes it more accessible. And Sue, the midwife who has contacted us, you know, was told by management, well you know we we're not going to see that many there might only be one or two well is one or two too many when you're talking about a third trimester late term abortion you know there's a there's a different way of doing an abortion without getting graphic um in the third trimester than there than there is in the very early stages of of pregnancy and and I'm not <laughs> I'm certainly not saying one is any better than another, but in terms of of trauma to the the medical staff who are involved, um, you know, to add, for for medical professionals who have gone in to their profession to save lives, who who will then be told to. Um, participate in abortions uh, you know in in the third trimester is going to be extremely traumatic and we're going to end up with a whole different area of of mental health issues because we're going to be dealing with uh, you know those the, the patients but also the people who are actually involved in it who are being forced to do it you know in the first place so it's a terrible slippery slidey slope
1: it is 1-800-316-316 to have your say in our conversation today. Let's take a, some more calls. Anne is on the line from Brisbane. Hello, Anne. Welcome. Hello. And what um, are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I happened to come across an article on the internet about what's happening in south, uh, the south part of Ireland. They of course brought in the abortion laws, but they're finding that it's very difficult to get medical staff to perform it because I read that a lot of their uh, doctors come from overseas. A lot of them are from the Muslim faith and they are refusing to do any abortions. And that's a, a big percentage of them, of them in the medical profession there. And also, uh, A lot of midwives, again, are refusing to do it. So we have got hope that if we band together, if all those who don't want to uh, take part in this band together, I'm sure we've got a voice.
1: And you make an important point there. And to reflect on uh, religions like uh, Islam... And like Christianity, a pro-life perspective and uh, the idea of uh, when you might come from even different religious persuasion and we might have some debate over different religious beliefs, but on this issue there are these various religious groups which are pro-life. Your thoughts, Jeanette, for the sorts of things that Anne is sharing about uh, Ireland?
2: Well, I think that's, that's very positive, isn't it? But, you know, as she says... Um, if you band together then you can see change it only takes a small group of people to start making a loud a loud noise and we've seen that in other areas of society over the last few years that we can that we can actually make change i think the difficulty will come when when these things are literally made illegal so or you know (laughs) I'm saying made it, made illegal when, when, when the laws are brought in that you can't actually have a conscientious objection because, because then it will mean, well, everybody coming into midwifery, um, will, will know what they're coming in for and they will either sign up for it or they won't sign up for, for it. But, but you're then left with that massive group of people who are already in the profession. Um, and how, how do they deal with it? Do we have a, um you know a a mass exodus of people of people leaving um people who have had to go through it um and then you're dealing with ptsd and all kinds of mental health issues or or what are we dealing with it so i think at the moment it feels like a very nice to have yes we've got conscientious objection um but but even that isn't being supported so w- yes we do need to stand up and stand alongside these professionals as the gentleman said earlier earlier on the phone my question is for how long
1: Alright, thank you so much to Anne in Brisbane for your insight one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation let's hear from Libby in Adelaide Hello Libby, welcome along
5: Hello, thank you um, I've been told that there's a market for the ch- the babies that have been removed from the mum and the closer they get to full term, the more uh, required they are for their pineal glands. So the pineal glands are removed from these little, little ones and sold on the market. Have you heard of that at all?
1: Uh, I'll ask Jeanette if she's heard of that, but uh, Jeanette, is that something you're familiar with?
5: Um,
2: Not entirely specifically. Um, We do know from a lot of the news that's coming out from the US, um, you know, the selling of baby parts has been exposed, um, you know, in the planned parenthood community. And there's been all kinds of uh, legal toings and throwings from that. So we don't tend to go into that side of it. Um, because we're all about supporting mums and you know with their with their unborn babies and encouraging everyday Australians to stand up for love, life and truth. Um, but it, if it can happen in the US, it can happen anywhere. And as Neil was saying earlier, when we uh, you know when we opened the floodgate, when we opened the gate into something. So in the US, you've you've now got um, you know New York, who's up to uh, up to birth, you have got. Um, the governor of Virginia, who has who has said, um, actually, when they're when they're alive, when they've been born, we can actually still abort them. You know, it's, we're talking about infanticide now. So when you open, when you open those gates, when you push those boundaries out, if it's happening in the US, then it could well be happening here.
1: Okay, thank you so much to Libby from Adelaide. Uh, Of course, on our Facebook page, there's a question there. Should doctors and midwives be forced to conduct abortions? There's been lots of responses, uh, a couple of those to reflect on. Well, let's just uh, take one at a time. Uh, One of them says, I'm wondering if this might be the straw that starts the pushback. I mean, we talk about these sorts of things, the way you're describing this today and reflecting Sue's story. Could this be, Jeanette, a start of a real pushback because a lot of people who are in the midwifery profession are coming there because they have a desire for, uh, for saving the lives and to protect those mothers and babies. Do you think this might be the start of something big? Well, wouldn't
2: that be wonderful? I mean, the fact that we've even got this topic being discussed on air, I think, is a, you know, is a massive move forward. So if we can encourage every midwife, every doctor, you know, every, every GP to, um, to stand up for their conscience, then, yes, that, I think that would be amazing. That would be wonderful. So let's, let's pray for that. Let's hope that that's what this can be.
1: Uh, That question on our Facebook page, should doctors and midwives be forced to conduct abortions? Here's another comment from Andrea who says, absolutely not. It would be like paying people to murder. Wake up Australia and be a civilised country. If the Labor and Greens politicians are so for it, let them do the wicked deeds. Now that actually reminds me of something that is in Sue's story and uh, I think it's Sue who reflects... You know, find me a politician who will insert the medication to end a baby's life. Which politician will look into a woman's eyes when she's consented to this procedure? Uh, What are your thoughts for the idea that, you know, it is politicians who are making this legislation, but they might not have any idea what it is at the coalface, right at the point of, of, uh, of the midwife and the connection that they have with the mothers. What are your thoughts here, Jeanette?
2: And you, yes, I think you have got to wonder that, haven't you why has why has this issue become so enormous out of all the things that we could focus on in in society all the do it all the doing good things that could prosper life? why has this become so so enormous so you know, maybe it should be a part of politicians' training, but, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to uh, put forward, that they actually have to come in and experience for themselves. Um, and in, in fact, um, for all those interested, there's a movie coming, uh, coming out of the States called Unplanned. Um, about the the director of an abortion clinic over there who had been uh, uh, helping to facilitate abortions for eight years until she was actually called into a room and had to see firsthand what happened to the baby in an ultrasound. And it completely turned her life around. It, it, It opened her eyes and she walked out and now she actually runs a ministry to help abortion workers get out of clinics. So... You know, it just goes to show that if you actually have a look at the facts of of what an abortion is and what the woman is going through, why she has found herself in that room in the first place, I'm pretty sure that they would make a different decision.
1: Let's take another call on 1-800-316-316. Jonathan from Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome.
4: Yes. uh, Yeah. You know, history repeat itself. If you look in the book of, uh, of Genesis, or the book of Exodus, there was a, 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 a Pharaoh who made declaration that all the male wives should kill the, the Israelites' babies, the male boys. They should kill the boys. But what the women did, the male wives, they refused. They rejected the, the, the command came from Pharaoh. And the Bible says that because they, they obey God, God bless them. So I think many people read the Bible, those who are meanwhile, I say no to the politicians of today that are working for Satan and want children to be killed. Because I don't know why they're getting out of it. Making laws that go against humanity. And you call yourself mm-hmm. a leader of the nation.
1: Jonathan, you have raised an absolutely amazing point. Uh, that as we reflect on even the biblical story of Moses who delivered his people uh, from the slavery of Egypt, uh, it was a midwife who said, I'm not going to... Uh, allowed this baby to be put to death, and of course, uh, as the story goes, the baby in the basket and rescued by uh, by uh, uh, the pharaoh's daughter, I think it was, who brought him and raised him in the courts of Pharaoh. Uh, your thoughts, Jeanette, on on this idea? That, you know, history uh, is even a biblical history. Here shows the power of a midwife who refuses to actually go through and do what uh, the authorities would say.
2: I just find that so encouraging and it just helps me and I hope it helps all the listeners just to look up, to look up to, to, to God, you know, and out of our circumstances and, and to see that, um, you know, all manner of atrocities can happen before our very eyes, but God is a God who is in control and He knows. And that in in the midst of these circumstances that we can stand up and when we stand up for him that he is for us um and that he will he will bless that obedience so i i just yeah thank you to that man for for calling in with that That that's completely brilliant and encouraging
1: Jonathan from Perth in WA, great input today here on 2020. I want to ask you, Jeanette, before we let this conversation come to an end because we are running short of time, when we talk about this abortion pill, RU486, uh, all of these relaxations of abortion laws all seem to be moving towards uh, women doing their own at-home abortions, uh, taking a pill, RU486. Uh, this is really a scourge, isn't it? How do you describe things that are developing in that direction?
2: Um, I think it's, it's very dangerous, um, you know, to, to give women a pill and to tell them to go off and um, basically look after themselves. We probably know more about it in America than we do here, um, so... You know, as we said before, when the federal election comes around, this is one of the things that that labor is proposing to reduce the price of r u four eight six to make to make it more accessible um, and it it just i think it just puts so many more demands on on the medical community because if you're um you know if yeah it 's difficult to know what to say you know for for one one for one side or or the other you know if you're going to give somebody a pill they've got to have all the parameters around it to keep them safe but at the same time you're talking about a pill that's going to induce abortion that's going to kill, kill a baby um so it's it's just a it's a terrible it's a terrible subject
1: it's called human pesticide, RU486, and I'm not sure uh, how the whole thing works. I'm not uh, medically trained, and, and I know you're reflecting some areas here that, that may be able to shed some light here, but, but uh, I'm not sure how long the RU486 uh, is effective, whether it's called the morning-after pill. Uh, but uh but of course, does it still work when people are taking it uh later in their pregnancy and i I imagine that there's uh, some sort of medical procedure required then if there is a baby that's formed in a mother's womb. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeanette, as uncomfortable as that is to talk about?
2: Um, it is for much uh, earlier earlier pregnancy than later and there is also an av- um an abortion reversal pill available but it's again it's much more widely available overseas than than it is here um, yeah i don't i'm i'm not an expert in that area t- at all only just to know that it it, it it is it is available if people want to want to find it that badly it can be found um, and if Labour wants to make it more more accessible, um, it, it, it's just going to open the it's going to open the floodgates even even wider for people to take this into their own hands and to be doing it at home, you know, in in un, unsafe
1: circumstances. Well, Jeanette, it's just been outstanding getting your insights today, and thank you to you and to those in the team at Emily's Voice. Also, uh, would like to uh, thank Sue, and uh, that's not Sue's real name, but undoubtedly Sue is listening into our conversation today and and uh, just listening to the way you're reflecting her story, Jeanette, and uh, and I hope that's all been uh, really great, but I, 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 I especially want to honour someone like Sue. Uh, who has raised her concerns with you, Jeanette, and there must be many others in the midwifery profession and in the medical profession more in general, and nurses and doctors uh, who can see things changing, who can sli- see the slippery slope as it's developing, and uh, to be able to have the courage to be able to draw together and be a collective voice that might say, enough is enough, this is gone too far. Uh, let me uh, just honour those who are in the midwifery profession and those who are in the more broad general medical profession as these things continue to bite, uh, particularly in states like Victoria or, of course, the, uh, um, uh, the territories like the ACT and in Queensland. Uh, just uh, honour to you and uh, courage to you as you stand up and somewhere as you can be counted with a voice that is against the way these things are moving. Jeanette Harris is the marketing manager for Emily's Voice. There is a website you can get some detail about some of these issues. Uh, There'll be some resources there. There'll be some ways that you can be a part of uh, perhaps a move that is uh, going to raise a voice against these things we're talking about. Emily's voice dot com. That's Emily's voice Dot com. Jeanette Harris, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and sharing your heart with us today on 2020.
2: Thank you for having me, Neil.
1: Before you go, thanks
0: for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported.